Hello and welcome back to the Homeschool Project Podcast. Today we will be doing one of our career spotlight episodes where we interview my sister Paulette who is a high school math teacher. Now we did record this a couple months ago before COVID hit so just keep that in mind but we thought that it would be appropriate to release now with all of the new graduates coming out of high school and the the rising seniors who may have an interest in going into the teaching career. Also, don't forget to check out our Instagram page. Today, I had posted our summer adventure book list that we had spoke on last episode. So check it out and please comment and share if you have any books you'd like to add to that for everybody to see. And we hope you enjoyed this episode. Hello everyone, I'm Nathan. And I'm Anita. And welcome to the Homeschool Project Podcast, where we discuss the ups, the downs, and everything in between as we embark on our homeschooling journey. Hope you enjoy. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Homeschool Project Podcast. I'm here tonight with uh, my wife Anita and her sister Paulette, who's coming uh, to us through Zoom on video chat from uh, Florida. And we had her here tonight. We wanted to talk to her about being a teacher uh, and, and what it's like in that profession. So how you doing, Polly? I'm good. Yeah? Yeah, how are you guys? We're good. Don't yeah. you love when people ask you to do favors at 9 o'clock at night? <laughs> yes. Feels my... After a long day? Well, not a long day today. No? What did you do today? It's kind of a boring day. <laughs> we had church and that was it. <laughs> <laughs> that was the extent of your day? Yeah. And then I uh, prepared for this. You did. You had to prepare to answer questions about yourself? I had to download the app. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, I mean, preparing. That was a big day for me. That was a big day. <laughs> yeah, I know. getting this call. So, you know, I had to do something to fill my time. Sure. Well, I, I know getting this set up when we were starting this, uh, trying to figure it out went pretty smoothly, right? Oh, yes. <laughs> Perfectly. I was using headphones, didn't need to use headphones. It's a complete cluster. Yeah, you had headphones on that weren't actually working. You were talking to us, still talking to us through your phone. Wondering why it was muffled. And then wondering why you couldn't hear us because you had earphones in, which were essentially yeah, earplugs. earplugs. Yes. I need, to, I need to say this real quick. She is a very smart lady. <laughs> Regardless super, of this. Super good teacher. Super good teacher. Nobody worry. I've always had, I've never had lower than a 4.0 in years of education, but ear, earplugs are, a, are a an issue. Well, good. So yeah, like I said, I want to talk to you about being a teacher, right? So some people can get an idea what that profession is like um, firsthand. So can you tell us a little bit about your background? Um, so I have been teaching, this is my 13th year teaching. My God, is it already? Yep. Wow. When I had to do the math. I was like, ah, yikes. <laughs> <laughs> now I feel really old. Um, so I had six years. My first six years of teaching was at a private Catholic high school. It was the school I graduated from, or Anita and I both graduated from. Yeah. Um, so I went back to my roots, I guess you could say. Um, so I taught there for six years. Then um, I taught two years at a 
public high school um, and because I and I moved to be closer to you guys because I like to follow you guys around. <laughs> That's, <laughs> um, right. That's right. I, I, I forgot. <laughs> you moved, moved up to, at uh, my first school. I spent I, I spent every weekend visiting you guys when you guys lived in the same state. And then I moved and followed you guys. Um, spent two years at a public high school. The first school I taught at was 1,200 kids, just so they get an idea of how big the schools are. Um, the second school was, the public high school was 3,000 kids. Wow, was that um, really that big? 3,000 yeah. kids, jeez. Um, and then the school I'm currently at has been five years. This is my fifth year there. I went back to a private Catholic high school. Um, and yeah, that's where I, and I, oh, teaching math, I probably should say. <laughs> you, you should say what you teach. <laughs> so yeah. and I've taught, I basically have taught every math class there is. I've taught intensive math, algebra one, Algebra two, geometry, pre-calculus, trigonometry, calculus, and statistics. And all of those I've taught the regular and the honors. And then calculus, I've taught honors and the advanced placement class, the AP class. So you're essentially a math magician. I am. And that's what I tell my students. <laughs> we'll never forget that one. A math magician. I tell them, I say, get ready to see some Puerto Rican magic. <laughs> <laughs> I have to ask, do you remember about like for each of those school sizes, what your class sizes were? Just so people have an idea what it's like in, for you guys. Um, yeah, so um, I've never had more than 30 kids. Okay. Um, That's a big class for math, yeah. right? Mm. Yes, it is. That'd be tough. And the general class size has is usually 25. 25 is um, the standard, I guess. Um, some classes I've had as big as 30. Um, and then some I've had as small as um, like seven. And the seven is usually the higher advanced math classes. So like my AP calculus classes were always, are usually smaller, um, seven, 10. Um, and then my regular classes are usually the bigger ones, which is kind of the opposite of what it should be. If you have, because the regular level, the on-level classes, those are the kids who usually struggle with math right and so you would want those classes to be smaller so that you can get more one-on-one -on -one time but because that's the majority of the students uh -huh. <laughs> um they end up being bigger mm. so it it's kind of backwards but what are you gonna do oh and the school i'm currently at is just under 500 kids so that's your smallest um, right that you've taught at yes um but it's still, I still have like 25 in my classes. Uh, and then the last, like last year, my biggest class was still 30, even though it was a smaller class. So even though the school sizes may vary, um, the class sizes still generally run around. Okay, so what's your educational background? 
to uh, to get you in the in your foot in the door to become a teacher? So I graduated from UNF at, with a bachelor's in which is University of North Florida. Oh yes, sorry. Right. Uh, yes, with a bachelor's in secondary math education, which basically means I can teach sixth through twelfth grade math. Okay. <clears throat> so, which is really the way you want to go if you want to get into teaching. I know people who go into teaching without the education part, so they, you know, they might get a master's in math because I, I could have gotten a master's in math or not, a, sorry, not a master's, a degree in math um, and then take the teaching test, get certified to teach it and then become a teacher. So really to teach, you just have to pass the teaching test. If you don't have an education background, depending on the states, they'll make you go back and take a couple education classes. Uh, but the education part of it, I think, is what really helps the most. Mm. Um, because <clears throat> when you take those classes, you learn a lot about like how kids work. Right. The psychology part of education. And without those classes, you may be really good at, a, at, te at knowing something, but you may not know how to actually teach it. Mm -hmm. And that's where, and that's not to say- I have lots of teachers like that. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and that's not to say if you don't have the education part, you're going to be a bad teacher. Right. It's just, I've seen in my experience of people who don't have the education part tend to struggle more with classroom management, writing lesson plans, the, the parts of teaching that people don't ever really think about. Right. So, uh, so I just, I got my, so I got my degree um, in secondary math education. And then most recently I went back to school and got my master's in ed leadership from St. Leo University. Yes, which we are very proud of you for. I know. Awesome. <laughs> this girl right here has two little ones, one that just turned three, right? Yep. And little girl, she's going to be... What? Two in June. So she's like 18 oh. months. Oh my goodness. And she pulled that off while working full time and having those two <laughs> and her husband all... I, I give you So, so like three kids, really. <laughs> right? Right. Yes. Yes. Man-child. And I was, and I was <laughs> pregnant with the second one and gave birth, like, in the middle of one of, like, not in the middle of my class, because it was an online class, but I was teaching live. my classes. Yeah. And gave birth live during class? <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> but it was, I gave birth, and then the next day in the hospital, I had to pull out my laptop and work on schoolwork while... That's magical. <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy. I didn't even know that. Really? Yep. I, I had to like part of my uh, part of my uh, hospital bag was my school bag. That's awesome. While, they, while <laughs> she was sleeping, I pulled out my laptop and turned in a paper. That is a dedicated student right there. Working on working on like thirty minutes of sleep. Then. Uh huh. Yes. <laughs> my most 
brilliant work though. I still got an A, still got an A. <laughs> I wouldn't expect any less from you. Well, what, what did you, do you have like a moment that you knew that you wanted to become an educator? This is going to sound really dorky, but when I was seven. Well, you are a dork, so. Yes. Yes, she is. <laughs> Big one. And I'm proud of it. Nothing wrong with it. But when I was seven for Christmas, I asked Santa for teacher stuff. <laughs> and that's kind of when we just knew. <laughs> it's like, no joke. My Christmas list was, I want everything a teacher needs. And that Christmas was the best Christmas because I got a giant whiteboard. I got office supplies, paper clips, oh colorful paper clips. <laughs> I know it sounds so stupid when you hear it out loud, but I got paper clips, pens, notebooks. I got a, a lesson plan book. Um, I, see, I, I picture me opening these things when I was eight years old and thinking this might be the worst Christmas ever. <laughs> yeah, it was like the greatest thing. Um, I would have rather gotten socks <laughs> <laughs> and new underwear than that. You would. I know you would. There's no lie. There. But who does this sound like? Me, our daughter. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> see? You did spend uh, a lot of time with her. I've trained her well. I've yeah. trained her well. Mm -hmm. um, so, and then I also, I don't know how, but somehow Santa, quote unquote Santa, um, managed to hijack some old teacher books. Uh, you know, the ones where it was like, they're spiraled. And then when you open it, it's like the regular book but it's smaller print and then it has stuff all along the sides. Like how oh, you must have been so psyched. <laughs> it was <laughs> the greatest thing. And I would open those up and I was like, yes. And then I would have lessons in my classroom to all my stuffed animals. Sometimes I drag in my sister, my little sister. Yeah, not me. <laughs> <laughs> Older sisters would not allow it, but younger sister, mm. I would plant her down and <laughs> She had no choice. It was great. So, um, yeah, I think I just pretty much always knew that I wanted to be a teacher. I mean, not all teachers are good, but a good teacher can change lives. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I, I believe that. So I hope I have. Oh, I know you have your, I mean, teachers are a big influence. I know we talk about homeschooling, but if you are in a, if you are going to a public or private school, that's where you spend most of your day. Yeah. Not with your family. So the person who's teaching you, it can be a, a bigger influence than your own, own parents can, you know? So you just, you hope that they get somebody like you, um, when they go to school. So yes, mm -hmm. I, I think teachers can, a good teacher can absolutely change someone's life. It, it did to me. So oh, you're definitely now, uh, you're, you have a ton of educators in your family. Yes. A right? lot of them. You do. So your mom's, your mom was a college professor and she came up as a high school teacher and uh, you have aunts and cousins that are also educators. Do you, did that influence you at all growing up uh, with your mom and your aunts? Um, maybe, probably a little bit just because her being a teacher, I got to see 
the other side of it, you know, see her bringing home stuff, grading stuff, planning yeah. stuff. Ooh, that must have got been exciting for you too. Bring <laughs> bring work home. <laughs> yes. So exciting. Bring work home. Where can where sign me up? Yeah. Not only do I have to do stuff at work, I can bring it to my own home and do it in my off time. Oh my gosh! I can bring it home and, and I, I get paid. And you get paid for this. <laughs> it's a dream. It's a dream come true. So I, I think, but you know, in all seriousness, I think. It prepared See, you. It what? I feel like it helped prepare you too. Yes. Um, but I think seeing it was what exposed me to it, to like the idea of it. Uh, but in terms of, you know, her pushing me towards it, um, that I wouldn't say that because, you know, my mom has always just said, do whatever you want. You know, she'll support us in whatever, as long as you're happy and you know, I will support you in whatever you want to do. She was actually the one who was <clears throat> saying, you know, if you want to be a doctor, you can be a doctor, but don't let other people influence your decision because it's the decision you have to live with. So even though she was a teacher, she would always tell me, do what is going to make you happy because you're the one who's going to have to do it for the rest of your life. Yep. Day in and day out. <laughs> so don't do something just because other people tell you to. Because, and I mean, to be fair, I am someone who takes to heart what other people tell me. Mm -hmm. And when other people give their opinion, I sit on it and I chew on it. And then it, you know, it's like, am I going to disappoint them if I don't? So her telling me, do, you know, telling me to do what I want to do is what kind of helped push me to say, I want to be a teacher. That's what I want to do. Everybody else can just kiss it. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a good mindset. Uh -huh. You should absolutely do what you want to do. What's going to make you happy. Cause those other people aren't living your life. No. Right. And that's basically what she would tell me that they're when you, when you decide something, they're not going to be there to, with you every day to help you through it you know okay. they're they're telling you what they think but you're the one who has to live with it so sure well what's it so what's it like uh what's like what's a day in the life of a teacher what's it look like an average day it's like organized <laughs> chaos <laughs> at least for me um I, basically you get to work uh I like to get to work early because, and I, to shout out to one of your previous podcasts about getting up early in the morning and having time to yourself before the kids come running in. Yeah. yeah we didn't mean to go to work. But like, that's, not what, that's not what we meant. We didn't mean go to work early. That's the worst, that's the worst to, idea. Everybody else's children all day. So I, you know, I see some people who show up literally five minutes before school starts and it just fills me with anxiety. <laughs> How do you do this? Uh, but I, I like to get there early. So when you, whenever you get there at whatever time you choose, uh, you're just, it's basically setting up, making sure you have, making sure everything works basically is how my day starts. 
does my projector work? Will it turn on? Because sometimes <laughs> it doesn't. I always uh, love seeing that. Because <laughs> I used to work in the schools, so I saw there, this at the there, there are mornings when I'm like, when I sit there, I'm thinking, why is the Wi-Fi not working? Because everything runs on the Wi-Fi. The school I'm at is one-to-one -one with iPads, so every kid has an iPad. Mm. I choose not to use them in my classroom. Nice. I, everything is done on paper in my classroom. So, which is funny because the kids actually tell me they prefer it. So really? yeah. the technology, That's they're like, when I give them my packets of paper, they're like, paper, yes. <laughs> uh, so, but I still need the projector because I project stuff on the board and I work stuff out on the board. But so I start the day by making sure everything works that I need to work, that everything is set up you know, so if we're gonna work in groups that day, I have the desk set up, are we gonna be taking a test? Do I need to put the desk in rows? So just setting up the environment and then the bell rings and you just go and you teach and you're, <clears throat> and if like I teach four different things. So I teach algebra one, algebra one honors, algebra two honors and calculus honors. So from one class to the next, it's very different. So every, and we have a, we're on a block schedule. So every 87 minutes we change. And then I have to think, okay, what class am I teaching? What mindset do I need to be in? Because my calculus kids, I have to teach at a higher level. My algebra one kids, I have, you know, they're freshmen. They require a little bit more structure. The calculus kids are seniors. We can have a little bit more freedom in the classroom. So mentally preparing myself in the five minute transition for what's gonna happen in the next class period. If you are not lucky enough to have four different preps, and I use the word lucky loosely because that's four different classes you have to plan for and prepare for. Uh, some kids teach the same thing all day. So then they're just like on repeat. So when, you're, when the class ends, you rewind and start all the way back over. So your day, and I have had that before. I've had, I've, I've been in schools where I've taught the exact same thing all day. What do you prefer? The change. I would think so. Yeah. Planning wise, it can be, it can be tough. Uh, but like mentally, mm -hmm. it is maddening <laughs> to teach the <laughs> same thing because so you're sitting there and you're saying the same thing over and over and over again. And then I, by the end of the day, I look at them like, did I, I constantly ask them, did I say this already? No? Okay. <laughs> Have I told you this? No. Okay. So you're constantly questioning yourself. Cause you I know, know you I did know. at one point, right? Yeah. Like, you know, <laughs> I know I've said it. I know I've said it. Uh, so it's, and that, so you basically go through your classes, you teach, you go, go, go. Uh, you get a planning period where you get a little bit of a break. Um, <laughs> If you are smart, you will use that planning period to actually get work done. Instead of what? Googling on your phone? Watching yeah. YouTube videos? <laughs> yes. <laughs> so uh, I, I've had, I think having my master's kind of helped me realize how to manage my time. Mm. Before my master's degree, you know, I just felt like I had all the time in the world. And then 
I'd get to the, I get home and I, and I'd sit there and be like, oh my gosh, I didn't get anything done. And then I'd have to take a lot of work home and deal with a lot of stuff at home. And when I had my master's, I realized, well, if I don't do stuff at school and I have to take it home, well, now I have to do schoolwork and job stuff. So I had to force myself to get work done at school. And I realized, man, that planning period, you can actually get a lot done. (laughs) And I realized that I was, you know, I would go and walk into my friend's room and we would chit chat. And then the next thing I know, the planning period's gone. So if you have a planning period at the same time as a friend, it's really good to, you know, decompress at times. But when you're spending every day going into your friend's room, and gossiping or whatever venting you don't get any work done so you wait so you wasted your time yeah exactly (laughs) or you walk around like you get out of your classroom and you go you know to the front office and you start talking to people and your the time just gets away from you and then you don't get anything done so uh the plan the planning period if you just sit in your room and actually get the work done you'll realize you have a lot more time after school and then you don't have to take anything home so i've actually learned that with my master's and it only took you what 12 years to figure that out crazy not bad (laughs) people ask me all the time you're a quick study (laughs) i am (laughs) only 12 years (laughs) um but my you know, people at work, they'll, you know, they complain about, well, I don't have any time. And they'll say to me and they'll be like, don't you feel like there's no time? And I'm like, actually, no, now that I don't have my, like, now that I'm done with my classes, I have all the time in the world. And then they give me dirty looks because they don't like that. I think that there's plenty of time to get stuff done. Because most people waste time. You do. We were talking about that the other day. You don't realize how much time you have until you don't have it. And then you get it back again. Like, we're talking about how much time you had before kids. What I, do you know? What you did with your time before kids? Because I don't remember what I did with my time. I feel like I should. Yeah, I, I went to the beach for five hours at a time. <laughs> yeah. I had a glorious tan. Getting sweet tans. Yeah. You are you are pale as a ghost now. So yeah, I, mean, I am. Oh, the sacrifices. My friends are like, "Aren't you Puerto Rican?" <laughs> Can't tell. Can't tell. <laughs> you have more of a tan, and I'm like, that's very rude. <laughs> that's very rude. <laughs> In case you didn't know. <laughs> no. Yeah, time yeah. time management's a, a really important thing. But uh, when you get that time back, it's it's uh, it feels awesome when you when you had something in your schedule that gets taken off and now you have that time block back as long as you you know don't waste it on something else yeah because you can very easily oh absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. i got some new games on my phone <laughs> getting the t- you were in the time warp you get stuck yeah. into the time warp yeah. yeah three hours later you don't know what what, what happened blacked out <laughs> where what am i is it? what day is it the, the kids are crying what's going on yeah. the kids are dragging around five pound diapers <laughs> you haven't changed them we're laughing because we all have been guilty they're eating they're eating bags of sugar from the bottom shelf there's nothing else to eat exactly <laughs> that's never actually happened <laughs> never <laughs> my kids are healthy <laughs> i think <laughs> I should go to the doctor. 
Oh gosh. <laughs> I, I wanted to ask, so do, when you become a teacher, the school you're working for, do they give you the curriculum or is that something you have to figure out on your own? Depends on the school. Okay. If it's a public school, yes, they give you a curriculum because the curriculum is developed by the district. Mm. So when I worked in the public school, they had a online portal that you went into and you would pull up the curriculum and it had, it was, it had a pacing guide. Uh, different people call it different things, curriculum maps, scope and sequence, pacing guides, but it's all the same thing where it basically tells you what to teach and how long it should take you to teach it. Now they always say, you know, it's going to be a little different, but you should hit this mark by this, you know, hit all of this by this point. Because again, at the public school, there's always the state test. Right. There's always a state test or a district test that is accompanied with your curriculum. So if you don't cover all the material, then your kids are not going to score well on the test. And then that becomes part of your evaluation in some, in some states. <clears throat> at the private school level, again, it depends, but the private schools I worked at did not have curriculums. Mm. They, they build it from scratch. <clears throat> yes. So they would say you have to follow the state standards. So, you know, I'm a math teacher. I have, I'm teaching algebra one. I have to follow, I have to make sure that I teach everything that the state says I'm supposed to teach in algebra one but I don't have any guidelines on how to do that. Oh. So at the first private, uh, private school I taught at, they were developing them. So the teachers were getting all together because, you know, it's a private Catholic high school. So you go by the diocese instead of a district, but the diocese mm -hmm. can cover different cities. So, you know, we would only, we would get together twice a year, everybody from the diocese, and you would break up into your different um, subjects, and you were supposed to help develop. So the teachers were developing the curriculum. Okay. Um, at the district level, they have someone, they have a curriculum team, but then they pull in teachers to help them but it's not just the teacher's responsibility to do it. So it's a little different and seeing both sides, I see the pros and cons of both mm -hmm. with the, with not having anything, it's very, and I'm sure you can, you know, you understand now having to do this with the kids uh -huh. that, it's overwhelming on where to start. Right. Cause you know, so one, like just picking a book sometimes, cause again, you're responsible for picking your own book. Mm -hmm. So just picking a book is like, well, which book do I pick? And then you just have to decide on one and hope for the best. Right. Uh, so, but instead of like, you know, one kid, you've got 25 to 30 kids that you're having to worry about. Is this the right book? Yes, exactly. So it can be very overwhelming and stressful, but 
it's nice because since you don't have it, then you can make it your own. So once you right. get confident with it, then you can start to have more fun with it and, mm -hmm. and make it more of your own class as long as you are, because you still have to hit the standards because in order for them to get a diploma from the, from the high school, that's, it has to follow the same guidelines as the, the public schools. With the public schools, it was really nice because you had the curriculum. Mm -hmm. So you did there, you know, especially as like if you were a new year teacher or a first year teacher, you would go in, you'd know exactly what you were supposed to do. But then the stressful part is making sure you met everything. So right. if you started to get behind, it became very stressful. And how are you going to catch up? And how are you going to get them what they need to make sure that they pass this test that's going to be uh, used in part of your evaluation. So I've seen both sides of it and it's definitely nice having the curriculum, having a starting point, but then it can also can get very stressful if your kids are not where they need to be. And then you don't, you can't meet the curriculum by the end of the year mm -hmm. because you have kids who are at a lower level and then you feel like you've failed them. So it's, so yeah, so it's, it's can be stressful when you have to develop your own curriculum, but that's so where I'm you, at right now. Did you feel like more kids came out better on the ones that were forced on this one curriculum or the ones that you got to be more creative with? Um, I think the one that I, when I'm more, when I, can be more creative with it, it benefits the kids better. I would because think so. that I, because really every year, even though I've taught, I've taught everything I'm teaching now for multiple years. Mm -hmm. And for like, for example, I've, I taught pre-calc for 11 of my 13 years. Like I taught pre-calc every year until last year. Uh, so but every year it was different. Mm -hmm. Like I never, my pre-calculus class never looked the same because every year I would modify it to the students I had. Right. So as the students changed each year, I would change how I approached it and how, you know, the, the worksheets, I would modify the worksheets and change. So because I had that freedom mm -hmm. and I was the only one teaching it. And so I didn't have to worry about what the other teachers were doing. That's the other nice thing about being in a smaller school when you're the only one teaching it. When you have other teachers, you have to, you have to have shared um, tests. So your kids all have to be tested the exact same way. But when I'm the only one teaching it, it doesn't matter. It's all about, you know, me. That sounds bad. It's all about me. <laughs> I don't have to, I don't have to worry about what other teachers are doing. Yeah. So I can really make it my own and make it fit what the kids need. On the other side of that, <clears throat> I have seen some teachers who take that freedom and take it to an extreme and only teach what they want to teach. Mm -hmm. So for me, I teach what the kids need which is how it and, should be and fit it to their needs mm -hmm. but some people will take that freedom and just teach whatever they want 
So then the kids don't get what they need. Like then they make it more about the teacher instead of the kids. And then the kids don't get what they need. It's what the teachers want. And it's all over the place. It's a little bit harder to do that in math other than you just don't teach everything. So, you know, I have kids that I might get who really struggle with just basic basic skills like addition and subtraction (laughs) and it's you know because they didn't focus on certain things and when I say addition and subtraction I mean like adding and subtracting positive and negative numbers so my kids my kids at algebra one in ninth grade struggle with negative seven plus ten like that they don't understand that that is a struggle for them and I would, you, I'm assuming that's probably from them getting left behind in classes because maybe the class sizes are too big and there's, it's hard to get help. Would you, would, would you say that? Yes. And like in the, I would in, also in the say, grades? yeah. So the other problem is in the previous grades, especially at the elementary level or the elementary and middle school level, what I have seen is that in those grades, that's where they are, they kind of push you through mm-hmm. easier. Like it, like they won't hold you back unless it's an extreme case. Like you have to be failing everything for them to hold you back. Mm-hmm. So if you're doing okay in everything, but you're just struggling in math, they'll keep pushing you forward because they don't want to hold you back for one subject kind of thing. So they'll keep pushing you through. Well, if you can't do the basics, you're never going to get it. So then by the time they get to us, then they're just all kinds of lost. Yeah. And again, it does come from the fact that you have these larger class sizes. So it's harder to meet those kids where they are. Mm-hmm. Sure. That was, that was my problem growing up. I was terrible at math and I, I just remember they, like the, the lessons kept moving on, but I was still four lessons behind with, with what I understood. Right. And it just started accelerating to the point where I, I just couldn't keep up anymore. So I, I had to go after school all the time to get extra help. And it was math was miserable for me. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're That's teaching, usually what people tell me well. when they find out I was a math teacher. They're like, oh, <laughs> Yes. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Thanks. That's okay. <laughs> now, so so you're a math teacher, but I, I I know from listening to some of your stories, you have a other a, a, as a teacher, you have other extracurricular activities you you're part of, right? Yes. So can you explain that a little? So bit? <laughs> huh. with extracurriculars in terms of students, I everywhere I've worked, I've been part of the, I've done the student government. So I've been the student government moderator, which basically means I, I help plan all of the big student events like homecoming, prom, homecoming week, spirit or spirit week. Uh, I, I plan the pep rallies. Um, anytime we have, any kind of school-wide event that I have to manage it, basically. And they always go smoothly, always. <laughs> the day of, to everybody else, 
it is the most phenomenal thing ever. I've Behind the it. scenes, I am a hot mess. <laughs> <laughs> and no joke, every year I get sick the day after homecoming week is done. I'm sure. Like, All the stress. Like, like a cold, you know, like it's, mm -hmm. you know, congestion, whatever. Every year without fail, that's when I get sick because I'm just so run down. Uh, so I do that. Uh, and I always, during the time that I'm planning the big events, I'm very stressed out, but I really do love it because it's a way to see the kids differently, you know, outside of the classroom. I, I do love working with the kids and planning these events, but it is, it can be very stressful when, cause the kids, they have great ideas, but they're not so great at implementing the ideas <laughs> that's it what you, all ends up falling on me if you're there right <laughs> that's what your job is so and there's a there's a lot to be fair there's a lot of things that they can't do you know now they can't handle the money so i have to sell all the tickets because money cannot be you know it can't be put in the hands of the kids so i have to sell all the tickets i have to be the one that calls all the vendors like the dj and all that stuff so there's things that they can't do just you know because of them being minors and the things that they're allowed to work with sure. but it comes down you know so really they just tell me all their ideas and i have to figure out how to make it work <laughs> <laughs> that sounds awesome yeah <laughs> And sometimes, and sometimes I really that's like. What, that's actually what Anita does. Yeah. She tells me all her awesome ideas, and then I have to do them at the house. That's so true. <laughs> he nailed it on that one. So, you know. Yeah, uh, the so idea fairy comes and sprinkles <laughs> sprinkles ideas down like fairy dust, and then they land on me. Oh yeah, they and they come up with some great ideas, and then I'm like, "How am I going to make this work?" Like one time, they were like, "We need to have, um, like a, I don't know what they called it. They had a name for it, but it was basically where that you had, like, car, quote unquote, carnival games during lunch, like cornhole and ring toss and horseshoe." And I was like, "Yeah, that didn't happen." <laughs> <laughs> while while eating lunch <laughs> yeah because we have once once a week we have what's called community lunch where we have like a 45 minute lunch to 45 minutes to an hour because it follows after mass so it depends on how long the mass goes where the entire school has lunch at the same time and so because it's so long they end up having a lot of downtime because kids kids actually can eat lunch in five minutes <laughs> and then they just sit and socialize for the other 25 like it's really they do not need 30 minutes to eat but you know laws we have to give them 30 minutes <laughs> really more for the teachers i think so the teachers have 30 minutes but <clears throat> so they have a lot of downtime so they wanted to play games in the courtyard that we have in the middle of the school it didn't happen, <laughs> but I did let it, I did let it happen during homecoming where, cause homecoming is always at our school. So I, that year I did, it was a, oh, it was, it was, this is what it was. It was a, it was during October and we had like a um, fall festival theme as our homecoming theme. So I had, I had to call my friends and have them bring all of their cornhole, one of them has a giant life-size Jenga. So, and we set them out outside and let the kids play. 
oh, when they didn't want to dance. It was fun, but not wasn't going to happen during lunch. So. <laughs> Probably a good call. Yeah, <laughs> complete mayhem. <laughs> yeah, so, right. So what? So what's your favorite thing about being a teacher? Helping people, educating people. I really love sharing knowledge. Mm -hmm. I know it's yeah. such a dorky answer, but <laughs> like I. I was actually talking to my husband, Joey, for those who are listening. <laughs> uh, I was actually talking to Joey one day and he, you know, he made a comment. He's like, you really just need to stop helping this person. You know, stop helping this person. That does sound like Joey. <laughs> <laughs> and I kept, and I looked at him, I said, but I can't let them not learn yeah like it just there's just something in me that I can't not let them learn something so when they are asking me something as much as I don't want to help them or as much as I may not have time to help them I'm looking at them like I have to teach you I have to, I just have to teach you and so it like I mean that translates into everything I do uh, I'm sure you guys know that we've had many conversations where you probably feel like I'm just educating you <laughs> so, so, but, yes the long drawn out conversations i'm like is she still talking to me <laughs> why, is she, why is she still talking it's in such detail i didn't ask i didn't i didn't need it i didn't need a detailed answer like that but she's gonna give it to me anyway <laughs> and now you're recording me so you can't yeah, wow i know you're right <laughs> I, I, I can't turn it off. You're <laughs> all asked, part of my plan. You asked but, for this. <laughs> uh, but that's like really the best part of teaching is being able to share knowledge with people and with the kids, having those kids that come and tell me, like, this is the first time I've ever understood it. Like, yeah. this is the first time I've ever understood math. Um, and then there's the kids that, like, I know they probably learned nothing, mm -hmm. you know, it, not like nothing, but they're never going to use it again. It meant nothing, but they still came out of my class and they'll say, I loved your class. You taught me something about life because I, the other side is that, you know, again, Joey will say, how do you get into these conversations with your students? <laughs> because, and because th the kids know by the end of the day, you know, when you're a teacher, you develop ADD. I, I, I promise you, like it just, I never had ADD and then I became a teacher and now I feel like I have it. I don't know what happened, but the kids will try to get me off topic. Classic thing. Kids have been doing it for forever and I, I let them. You fall for sometimes, Because you know what, after you've been after you've been talking about math all day, sometimes it's nice to not talk about math. <laughs> so. I don't think it would ever be fun to talk about math, but that's just me. <laughs> I would never strike up a conversation about math, but that, who am well, I? <laughs> you're not a math magician. That's, you're absolutely right. I am not. You're not math. But, you know, so sometimes, but, you know, the kids will bring up things and you have to take those learning opportunities and they'll bring up something and I'm like, man, this is really, this is really something that matters that they'll actually need later on in life. So let's just take a moment. Uh, and so I have kids who will come back and tell me 
you know, the something I learned in your class really stuck with me. Uh, I had one kid write, you know, they'll write letters and say, you know, it doesn't happen a lot. It's not like sunshine and roses. Not every kid writes me a letter. It happens like <laughs> maybe once or twice a year, if that. But when you get them, that's what makes it even better. Because I know it's like, you know, they'll write a letter. Like I had one kid say, the fact that you um, let me fail. And he's like, you let me make that choice. And I, and I had to learn from it. Mm-hmm. And not like, not that I just let him fail and dropped him, but I would do everything I could to help this kid. And at one point I said, you know, at some point you're going to have to make the choice to want to be successful. And he made the comment, you know, well, I didn't want to do it at that point, but because you allowed me to fail and I had to see what it was like to actually fail, I was able to learn from that and realize, okay, I have to actually do something. He's like, people before just let me, they would, I would fail and they would not, they would write it off basically. Right. Mm-hmm. I've, so, I've seen that, a lot that happens too. all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's a great lesson. So those are the things that, you know, make it worth it is when the kids come back and tell you, I actually learned something. You made a difference. You made a difference in their life. Yeah. Yeah. Or I just, I just like you as a person. Yeah. You were a great, you know, I, I was, you were someone I could talk to when I had no one else to talk to. Mm-hmm. That kind of thing. Those are the things that make it fun. Sure. Well, with, without getting yourself fired, <laughs> what, what's the worst part about being a teacher or the hardest part? Uh, the worst part or the like hardest part. Without getting yourself fired. <laughs> <clears throat> is really, goodness. The fact that you can't turn it off. It is one of those jobs that you do have to come, you have to take home with you. Mm-hmm. So that, that is hard. As, even with the, you know, even with the best time management, there are still days that I have to bring stuff home. So that's, that's hard. Um, and then when the kids do fail, I take it, I take it personal. Like, not like they failed because they wanted to, you know, get at me or something, but more like when I see a kid fail, I sit there and worry about what could I have done better to help that kid. That's because you're a good teacher. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, but that the kids who fail, you know, they stay with you. And so, or, you know, if you're a good teacher, I guess (laughs) they stay with you. So I take, so every kid that fails, I sit there and and I, and I, think about it. And I try to figure out what could I have done differently? What could I have done better? And I try to improve. And, you know, sometimes it's hard to realize that they're just going to fail like it because they don't want to. And that's, you can't change that. Yeah. Yeah. And because I am not that way, I find it very hard to find them that way. So that it really is a struggle with that, but yeah, that's the hardest part, I think. Mm -hmm. Well, if there's any aspiring teachers, what would, uh, what's some advice you'd give to them um, about uh, with their considering a career as an educator? 
try to get as much exposure in the classroom as possible to make sure it's what you want to do. So for me, I, I became a sub as soon as I was able to, like I was a substitute. I was a teacher's aide. I got jobs that, you know, I was, you know, that I could with, you know, the degree I had at the time, because, you know, I hadn't finished school yet, but I found jobs that would allow me to work with kids, be in some kind of teaching role and expose myself to it because the classes, the classes teach you, like I said, they teach you the psychology behind it. They teach you how the brain works and why you have to do things a certain way. And the laws, how not to get fired. (laughs) The classes are important for that kind of stuff, but you don't actually really know what it's like to be a teacher until you're in a classroom. Yeah. Because you can write, like I used to write pages long, multiple pages long lesson plans that I thought were the most fabulous thing in the world for my classes. And then I became a teacher and I was like, what? Those were worthless <laughs> pointless they didn't that, that's not how you can't write a lesson plan like that every day for every single class you teach so your lesson plans are literally like bullets on okay i'm going to teach this topic and i'm going to have this worksheet on this day like that's it so uh for anyone who wants to be a teacher making sure that you get as much exposure in the classrooms as possible is a great thing Um, and make sure that you reach out to other people, your first year teaching. Teachers are busy. That's the reality. And the teachers with the best intentions want to reach out to the new teachers and help them, but they just don't have time. Like it's not that they don't have time, but they get, you know, stuck in their own routines and their own things. And if you're too afraid to ask people for help, then you're going to feel like you're drowning your first year. Mm-hmm. And that's how, why people quit. Uh, my first year teaching, you know, and that was hard for me because I, you know, as talkative as I am, I'm an introvert. I'm very shy when, with people I don't know. Yes, you are. So it was very hard for me to, to realize my first year that I, I had to make the effort to walk into my mentor teacher's classroom and ask her for help when I needed it. So that's a big thing is not being afraid to ask people for help because everyone wants to give you help. They just don't always have, you know, they just don't always thinking about it because they're thinking of their own 150 students Mm -hmm. and all of their classes. And then they forget about the new teacher across the hall. Yeah. They're just so, you know, bogged down on their own stuff. So those are the big things that I would tell new teachers, ask for help. It's important. Something very basic, but I think is very important. Yeah. A good reminder. Yeah. Because those other teachers, they, I always say, don't reinvent the wheel. Other people have good ideas. So go ask them for them so that you don't have to sit there spending hours researching things on your own. That's important. You're going to have to do that at some point, but going out and help asking other people, how did you do this? How do you reach this kid? I'm having trouble with this. I got this really nasty email from a parent. What do I do? Mm-hmm. These are all the realities. You know? yeah. 
Uh, some days it's really sunshine and roses. Some days you end the day and you just want to cry. You know, it is what it is. Mm -hmm. But if you don't have those people that you just go in and ask for help, it's going to make it even harder. That's good advice. Now, when I asked you what your favorite things about being a teacher was, you didn't mention summer vacations. Because that would be my favorite. What is it like as a grown adult to have summer vacations still? Because I remember that was like the greatest thing ever when I was a kid. What's it like to be, what's it like to still have that? Because I remember when, I, when we were all living near each other, I was the, literally out of the entire family, the only, the only clown still, in, still having to go to work. Well, everybody else lounged all summer long because you guys are all teachers or work for the school in some way. It was the worst feeling ever. Yeah, well, so in case you don't know, we haven't mentioned, I was a nurse, but a lot of my career was a school nurse. So yes, poor Nathan was always stuck Yeah, getting work. up early while everyone else is sleeping in. Your husband's a teacher, so he's got- I wish people could see his face right now. <laughs> <laughs> so- such bitterness. Yes. Oh, I just, I harbored so much hatred for all of you every summer. Um, well, let's be honest. When, once you have kids, That's summer vacation. <laughs> True. That just doesn't exist. Anymore. What is vacation anymore? <laughs> it's, you know, I'm sitting here thinking, is it still okay to send my kid to daycare? <laughs> so I'm home. <laughs> Just so I can get a break. Uh, and I love my kids. Um, but uh, work-wise, the best way I can explain it is it's kind of, it is nice. I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to sit here and be like, summer vacations are awful. <laughs> but uh, no, it is, it is nice. But it's also it's like that needed break because you just have everything you're like everything sucked out of you for the entire school year. And then you just need that break. But I was thinking about I, I I was, feel the same way, but I brought it up to work and they weren't willing to give me three months off a year. <laughs> so yeah. keep trying, keep trying. It'll happen one day. Um, but it's kind of like having a baby. Because, and I, I remember Anita and I talked about this, one, where, you know, when you're, when you have a baby and it's just, you know, like when you get to the, when you have like the sleepless nights and everything, and you're like, I'll never have another one, you know, when you're going, when you're pregnant and you're miserable and you're like, why did I do this to myself? And then you have, then, then you get to that point where they're a little bit old, yeah. they're old enough, they're old enough to take care of themselves, uh -huh. thinking, we could have another one, right? <laughs> that wouldn't be so bad. And then you have one, and then you're like, what was I thinking? <laughs> That's basically what summer vacation is. It's that time period in between kids where you're like, because you, you end the year, and you're like, this is awful. And I'm going to be honest, all of my teacher friends, we always sit there and we think, what could we do with our teaching degree? What other <laughs> job could we do? Uh, every teacher does it. There's like actual websites on how to use your teaching degree in other professions. So uh, we all think about it. So you go on summer break and you're like, I'm never going to do this again. I'm never going to do this again. And then it's just timed perfectly where by the time you're going back, 
you know, I like to be very productive. So now, you know, by the time I get to the end of it, I'm like, I haven't done anything. I feel worthless. I need to do something. You're like ready to go back. You're like, I can go back to work. I haven't done anything all summer. Life, you know, I can do this. And then school starts and you're like, again. (laughs) why, why, why didn't I take that other job? No, but, uh, it really is not all that bad, but it is, it can be stressful, but it's, it's nice, but it also is needed because you need it to decompress. And, but by the time you're done with summer break, it's, you're ready to go back because. Sure. Well, I know, you, I know you're joking. Cause I know, I know you love your job, but when you deal with that many kids for an entire year, anybody would be stressed out and it's, I think it'd be pretty natural to start looking like, Oh, what, what else could I do where I wouldn't have to, deal with 30 personalities every class but i I know that you love your job that is very 13 years later i'm still doing it (laughs) you are still doing it 13 years later and had got just got a master's in it got a master's stay with it you know i could have gotten a master's in anything (laughs) and i chose ed leadership (laughs) yes well so i i have one more question so as as an educator and the you taught in public and private schools. What are your thoughts on homeschooling? I honestly think it's just another option mm-hmm. for parents. Sure. Um, I know, you know, I've had the, you know, I've joked around with people before, you know, oh, homeschooling, you know, and I think you talked about it, homeschoolers, are they going to be socially awkward, you know, that kind of stuff. Sure. But I've, I, um, I tutored and in two families that homeschooled, they were like families of, uh, one was a family of 10, the other was a family of eight, and they were cousins. So I, you know, I, I knew homeschoolers, and you know, they were perfectly normal people and I love them. They were great people. So, but again, the husband and I were talking one time and when you guys started talking about homeschooling and, you know, we said, you know, we talked about, you know, would we ever want to do that? Would that be an option for us? And I said, you know, with any other profession, you're going to have the good, the bad and the ugly. Mm -hmm. So I mean, think about a doctor. If you go to a doctor, you're going to have some terrible doctors and you're going to have some great doctors. But what happens if you have a terrible doctor? Hopefully you go and find a different one, right? Mm-hmm. You don't always have that option in school because of zoning. You know, you can't, you know, if, if you want to go to, and I know like, I need to, like, we know that our parents moved because, you know, to move us to zones that, to zone us in better schools, but not everyone has that option to move to an area just to get to a better school. Mm -hmm. And even if you get into a better school, that doesn't mean every teacher is going to be great. So, you know, we talked about this and I said, homeschooling is just another option for parents if they have that ability Mm -hmm. to educate their kids to, you know, if things are not working out and, you know, if they're not happy with what the schools are doing, here's another option for them to take 
and again, as long as they have the ability to do it, not everybody, you know, not everybody has the ability to homeschool their kids. Yeah, absolutely. But if they do, I think it's a great, it's great knowing that you have options. Yeah. You know, that's why, that's why private schools came about. You know, you had public yeah. schools, private schools, private Catholic schools, charter schools, uh, you know, school of choice is now a big thing. Yeah. Uh, so it, it's just another option in the pot to make sure that your kids get the best education that you can provide for them. Yeah. So it's, you know, I'm sure some people will say, well, they're taking away from us because then that's less, you know, bodies in our school. Cause you know, there is a, there is a dollar sign attached to every kid. Yeah. You know, the state allots a amount of money for each kid sitting in a classroom. So when you take those kids out, that money goes with them. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you can't, you can't get angry at parents for get, trying to give their kids what they think is best. Right. Just like if you were not being seen by a medical professional in the best way, you would move on and find someone who would. So I think... I think it's a great option to add to the mix. Mm-hmm. And I'm not just saying that because you guys do it. And I want you to let me visit you when I can't No, uh, It really is. I did think about it. Cause I was like, you know, it's interesting when you guys said you want to do it. I never thought you guys would, but you know, you did. Uh, <laughs> I never did either. <laughs> Well, you know, I was just like, oh, there's no way. That's really interesting. And then when you did it, I was like, man, that's really funny. Uh, Even mom, mom says it to this day. She goes, out of all my daughters, I never thought you'd be the one homeschooling. I'm like, thanks, mom. What does that say about me? She goes, I just didn't think, not that you couldn't be capable. She's like, again, like you said, I believe you girls can do anything you can't want to do. But she just never thought that I would have the desire, I guess, to do it. So yeah, and I obviously was never thought, I mean, come on, you know me, sister, never thought yeah. I'd- Well, I just never thought you'd stay, you'd want to stay home. Yeah. <laughs> yes. That was what I said. Not, that first. sounds bad. You love your children, but- Let's <laughs> make it really clear. But like, you were such a good nurse and you loved being a nurse that I just, you know, yeah. I never thought you would want to leave your job, oh. but mm-hmm. here you are. Yeah, that's right. So I, <laughs> I, I, I am, I commend you for doing it. <laughs> and it's let great. me tell you one day or two days, <laughs> the weekends, I'm like, how does she do it? <laughs> trying to entertain these kids. They are crazy. Well, well we've mentioned this in a, a previous episode, but watching your kids and some, a couple other kids for as family nanny as a family nanny. Sure. Sure. Got her ready. I think. <laughs> You think the mad the madhouse got her prepared for this? I said I said yeah. I thought if I can handle this group here for two years, I think I can handle homeschooling my own kids. Yeah, <laughs> it I really mean, was. That was the ticket. You had a lot of kids. Yeah. <laughs> I of- thought I had I thought I had fathered more kids when I come home from work every day. Like I, every day I come home from work, there's just like five six kids running around my house. I'm like I don't know what happened. <laughs> Which ones are mine? I'm not sure. They were even calling you Papa. They were calling me, your kids were calling me Papa at one point. 
<laughs> he still calls you that. He does. That's my nickname now. As, instead of yeah, instead of Uncle or Tio, it's it's Papa. Mask. <laughs> Titi, Titi, Nita, and Papa. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Sorry, Joey. <laughs> it's get okay. The, he goes by Daddy. It's fine. Oh, Daddy. Okay. Let's pick a different name. Yeah, because Grandpa is Papa. Oh, okay. Okay. So oh. it was, but it was a little confusing because he couldn't figure out which one we were talking about. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know it is it is what it is but they uh but yeah, that, that prepares you a lot having well i want i am the fun uncle so you know you are yes you are <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, well you have any more questions anita no not no. without dragging it out because i, I really could and but. i know it's it's getting late mm-hmm. and there's a i know there's a glass of wine and a bowl of popcorn that's calling anita's <laughs> name over here she's been eyeballing uh. this entire time so Oh, uh, popcorn. <laughs> yep, every night pretty Only much. Popcorn. She, has a, she has a problem, <laughs> a popcorn problem. It's I, I tried to I tried to cut it off one year. I think it was last year my new my new year's resolution was I would only have popcorns on the weekends. It lasted for what? 5 months. Plur- plural popcorns <laughs> apparently. That's <laughs> 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 Multiple Multiple popcorns. I mean, I am correct, right? There are more than one. It's like saying I got my hairs cut. <laughs> I hate that. I got. Did you get your hair cut? No, I got all of them cut. Everyone. <laughs> so she's going to. Cut, she's gonna. As soon as we hang out, she's gonna destroy her bowl of popcorns. Popcorns. And uh, but yeah, I want to let you enjoy some of your Sunday night. So hey, we, thank you. We appreciate it. Yes, thank you, Polly. Thanks for having me. Absolutely, class. we'll have to do this again on some other subject. But we love you. Yeah, love you. Love you. All right, Bye. Good night, night Polly. Night. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Homeschool Project podcast. If you liked what you heard, please subscribe and leave a review. If you have any questions or suggestions that we can discuss on the show, send us an email at thehomeschoolprojectpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Goodbye, everyone.